0: Welcome, this talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.
1: Yeah, so welcome to Sunday Sit, Long Beach. Happy Father's Day. So the topic today is um, how can the Dharma stimulate and fulfill us? What's the short answer for that? How can the Dharma stimulate and fulfill us? Practice. Practice? It's a trick question. It can't. <laughs> uh, it won't. <laughs> but it could point the way, you know, obviously, you know, it's, um, Reka, are you, can you, you, want to grab that cushion or another cushion? There's one up here, <laughs> if, if you need more. <clears throat> um, yeah, it, it could definitely point the way. And I, I just make that distinction because <clears throat> even even with our spiritual side, we could always look out saying, this is going to save me. Like, this is going to do it. or This is, you know, if I, if I do this or, or whatnot. And then we can get caught in that loop of always looking outside without recognizing all the time that we're the only ones that are going to do it. You know, the Buddha's not going to do it, Christ isn't going to do it, Christian's not going to do it, a book's not going to do it. If it's going to happen, you're going to do it. That's it. So no matter what, it's always going to be on us. <clears throat> so this is kind of off the subject, but <clears throat> just something that I noticed um maybe it's still maybe on the subject, I don't know. But um, I had the opportunity, my friend got married in Hawaii last week, so I was forced to go to Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I had to go. I did my duty and I went. But I I noticed that obviously suffering is, suffering is everywhere and, you know, when I saw the suffering of the people of Hawaii and whatnot, it was easy to have compassion, you know, for them. But I also noticed, you know, the suffering of, of attachment too, you know, so I also had so much compassion for people just striving for happiness. You know, we all were striving for more happiness and less suffering, all of us, and we will go to great lengths to find this happiness. And so I saw myself really wishing for sustainable, reliable happiness for the people there like on vacation and wanting to take in all this awesomeness of, of Hawaii. But knowing that that's temporary, right? That's gonna come and go and it's not gonna be lasting. And really having a lot of compassion you know, for them. Even people that were living like the high life kind of life, and then also so much love and compassion you know, in his father's day today of the for the parents, you know, just seeing so much um, self um, selflessness you know I sat next to this father who had his kids on the plane, you know sat next to him on the plane and and he was saying, I love how he put it. He's like, yeah, you know, if you take a, a vacation with kids, it's not a vacation. It's a trip. It's a trip. It's a trip. It's not a vacation. And seeing that all around, just seeing this this selflessness happening, just having, again, so much love and compassion for them, just spending all this time and money and energy just for wishing their children to find you know so this little glimpses of happiness here and there and did you see that? Did you see this seal? Did you come over here? Did you see that fish? Did you see this? It's just so precious and so amazing so seeing all of this love in all these different ways and seeing all this suffering and having compassion for that in all these different ways too. I guess the third thing was to also appreciate as I'm looking at these nature photos behind everyone here to appreciate how much joy that we find in being in the presence of, of beauty, of of just nature. You know, people spend all this money and there's no roller coaster there or anything like that. Or maybe there's a roller coaster in Hawaii, I don't know. But everyone's there <laughs> to see like the the mountains and the ocean and whatnot. It's so simple. And you're just sitting, sitting and being with with nature is is so incredible, you know. So anyway, that's my little tangent (laughs) to begin how can the dharma stimulate and fulfill us okay we already went over that it can't Um, but um, you know the first thing that we must look at is you know people ask you know why should i meditate and you know i say you know meditation offers a couple things the ability to choose what you want to think about and what you want to let go the ability to choose what you want to think about and what you want to let go. And the second thing that it offers us is the, the ability, the chance to get to know ourself, like our true self. So taking this first, this first aspect, the ability to choose what you want to think about and what you want to let go. So first we, we have to know what do I want to think about and what do I want to let go? Because this is actually quite tricky. Because a lot of times the things that we think we want to think about are actually causing suffering. So we have to kind of start there. Now I overheard, I overheard Anthony talking about a teacher. <laughs> you want to recount what you were saying, I don't know to whom over here you are talking about, somebody asked a Zen teacher if you can encapsulate Zen in one word or sentence what would it be? Attention. Attention, and then when they asked again, what did he say? Attention. Yeah, attention. There's
2: not much subtlety in that. Can you explain further? He said, "Attention, attention, attention, attention. <laughs>
1: attention." So most of you probably know the very famous Buddhist quote where the Buddha said, "It is better to to be, stay mindful, or to have one mindful day." It's better to have one mindful day than a hundred years of non-mindfulness. It's better to have one single day of mindfulness. So this goes back to this attention, right? So why is this? Why is this so important? the ability to choose what you want to think about, what you want to let go. So if we're mindful, only if we're mindful, then we could see our own neurosis. Then we could see our own suffering. We could see that what we, what we are leaning into like I want this and I, I want I don't want that we can kind of see that whole cycle of this un, unreliable unsustainable happiness we get awakened to this <clears throat> without this attention without this mindfulness then we can't see anything right we just we're not awake we just keep going through the patterns but we don't wake up to our own patterns so the first thing and kind of the, the only thing is this attention. Now one thing that <clears throat> if this is difficult is because we love to have attention when things are good. We don't like attention when things are bad. And Buddha really stressed this from the get-go when he talked about the first noble truth that there is suffering is to sit with your own stuff, right? To sit with your own crap. And a lot of times, too, we want to say, oh, I want to help others, and I want to do all this stuff for others, and this and that. But if we can't deal with our own emotions and our own thoughts, and I say deal with them, I'm not saying that we're going to overcome them and be happy. I'm just saying if we can't work with them, if we can't sit with them, if we cannot be with them, if we cannot bring our spiritual life, our dharma to them, then we're of no use. We might be able to speak of a few things that we read and regurgitate a few things, but that's just dry knowledge. It's not true experience, right? Only when we can transform our own inner um, elements can we be of any use. So this is where that ability to choose what you want to think about and what you want to let go. Now, we do this all the time in meditation, right? I know this is very fundamental, but this is where it all is. It's very fundamental. We start in meditation. In meditation, you pick an object, you pick an anchor to bring the mind back to. Yeah? And then where does the mind go in about 10 seconds? (laughs) Grocery list. Grocery list. It goes into something. Right? But luckily we have the vigilance of the mind, call this mindfulness. Mindfulness wakes up to this, that it's away. And what's it do? What's that? brings us back. It brings us back. But the moment that it recognizes, this is the epiphany, this is the moment. The moment that it recognizes that it's away, the moment it releases like this, then we're Buddhas. In that very moment that it releases, you're free. The ability to choose what you want to think about and what you want to let go. That's the moment. And we start off with the light things. We start off with the little things. Yeah? The grocery list. I can let go of a grocery list. Right? I can let go of that. But can you let go of hearing that a family member is really sick? The ability to choose what you want to think about and what you want to let go So this is that the discernment and the skillfulness that comes in here is very, very crucial. So Buddha was very, he was very broad on a lot of things. But discernment and skillfulness, like what is skillful, he was actually very direct with. And what I mean by that is cultivating the wholesome and letting go of the unwholesome. He was very clear on this all the time. Cultivating what is wholesome and letting go of what is not wholesome. And again, this gets a little tricky. Because when we close our eyes and meditate, fantasy is very fun. (laughs) It could actually feel good. Yeah? Have you ever blew a whole meditation with just fantasy just like a half an hour of like the whole time like oh I can't wait for that trip or this thing or that happened like, it's like oh he rang the bell awesome what's next but I feel great I feel good now did we practice the ability to choose what we want to think about and what we want to let go no no but was it fun
2: yeah
1: yeah good times <laughs> And this is the root of the neurosis. The root of the neurosis is that we have a very, very hard time being right here. We have a really hard time actually being, and it's so cliche, being in the moment. Actually, that's extremely difficult. Because to be in this moment, you have to let go of the last moment, right? You can't be futuring, right? And you can't be in the past. And so this is what that fantasy is. But see, this fantasy, we're in the fantasy all the time. It doesn't matter if we're meditating or not. We are in fantasy all the time. In every single moment that we're not right here, we're in fantasy. That's about 99% of the time, (laughs) right? How often are we just here? How often are we just actually right where we are? It's a habit but it's a habit that has to be reversed because if we sit down and say, I'm gonna just be here for half an hour, but we haven't tried to do that in a week, (laughs) or if we sit down to meditate for an hour, but 23 hours out of the day, we have crazy monkey mind, then it's very difficult. So this attention, going back, attention, 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 Where am I? Like, look at all of us right now. Does anyone here have any worries or concerns? Nope. Mm -hmm.
2: Nope. Everything's fine. Everything's
1: fine. (laughs) So we all have worries and concerns. Some of them might be here with you right now. Maybe you have leg pain, something like this. But you could check in. How many are are here right now how many worries and concerns are with you right here right now the only thing that we truly know is that there's about 30 of us in a room sitting, breathing, listening this is it the ability to choose what you want to think about and what you want to let go we can practice this anytime, anywhere and so part of this is capacity so how can the Dharma stimulate and fulfill us well it cannot fulfill you at all if, you already filled, if you're already filled up with other stuff if you're already filled up with all of the fantasy and all the thoughts and emotions that are cluttering your existence in the, in the here and now which most of those things are not here and now there's no room there's no room for your infinite self when you're really really busy being very finite <laughs> When you're really busy being right here, in fact, like right here, it's really hard to be everywhere. It's really hard to open up to all of that when the clutter is so front-facing. When we're not the witness, when we're not the knower, and we're just the known, everything that's coming up here, it's very difficult to step back into the knower and to know that I'm not this. So this is a second piece to actually start to understand who and what we are. We cannot be our thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. If you were an emotion, when your emotion went away, you would go away. You can't be your emotion. Right? Take all of your suffering thoughts that you've ever had, all of the suffering thoughts that you've ever had, where are they now? And you're still here. amazing (laughs) (laughs) so i think at the very root of this at the very root of this is change i would say what can the dharma bring us change change So I might be just kind of reiterating the point here, but maybe in a, say it in a different way is that so when we look for changes like relative level change, we we usually think of change outwardly, yeah? Outward change. We think that most of the time, I would say like this precious Precious human life. One aspect of a human life is that we have the ability to go beyond survival. Like most of, most of the beings on this earth are, their primary primary existence, is revolves around survival. So we might not think that we are just looking like we're just living for the next, something, the next lunch or, you know, coffee or. You know, good you know, meet up with a friend or something like this. But a lot of a lot of our life is survival based. It's just eat, sleep, you know these these types of things. But we think like, is this is this all of our human potential? Is that it? Like, think of how much of our potentiality we're going into these very mundane things. But what do you really think like your human, human potential is? But where do we put our focus? So a lot of this transformation and change, we have to think about the types of change that we want. And where are we gonna put that energy? And again, so outwardly, so you think, oh, I want, I want, I want my life to change. So this is the normal concept of life change is, you know, better career, more money, better relationships, you know, health, all these things. This is, most of the energy goes to this. This is opposite of where spirituality Buddhism goes. Bu- Buddha doesn't care about outside. So he only speaks of, of inner change. Inner change. To become more vir- virtuous. To have more integrity. To develop more love and compassion. Trustworthiness. It's about positive character building. So this is where the energy is. Concentration. Again, the ability to choose what you want to think about, what you want to let go. Concentration. Sharpening the tools of the mind. Sharpening the heart. This heart-mind, same thing, right? Heart and mind, same thing. So I would say, to totally counter what I said in the beginning about nothing, (laughs) what the Dharma offers us that we're going to have to do ourselves is the ability to change in a way that's going to create lasting, sustainable happiness. Or say contentment, maybe not not happiness. But at least a center, someplace where we can go back to, even when we're suffering, so this is not non-suffering, but this is being okay in suffering. As I love how Thich Han says to learn how to suffer correctly.
2: <laughs>
1: we have forgotten how to suffer. We suffer with aversion. He's so right. Yeah, we suffer with aversion. There's nothing wrong with suffering. <coughs> nothing wrong with suffering. But we don't want to suffer as suffering. We want to suffer as an experience. We're here to experience everything. Welcome, Britt. Come on in. You want to come in? Yeah, come on. A wizard is never late. (laughs) Um, So experience, suffering as an experience, but we could also know that we're not the suffering, that suffering's impermanent. And so I think that when we're looking at this energy back of this energy of where are we going to put uh, our energy for change, are we going to put something uh, energy into something that's that's going to change? right? So I'm going to put it into things that change, careers change, health changes, material things change. All those things change. I mean, even in our spiritual life, are we putting our energy into things that change, like that blissful experience that changes? Are you, are you seeking a blissful experience in, in meditation? But that's change. Yeah, that goes, that goes up and down. Knowledge, knowledge comes and goes, fast for me. <laughs> like I, bought, I forgot <laughs> what I did this morning already. Like. Right, so if we're trying to accumulate knowledge though, because we do this a lot with our spiritual world too. We read books and books and books and stuff. Yeah. But to experience our own true nature of mind, to experience ourselves authentically. Now this this doesn't go away. Like they say, our heart stream is the only thing that we take with us, our heart and mind stream. Yeah. To experience the truth of our own nature to experience what is not changing when everything else is changing. This core sense of I-ness. You notice that this isn't changing. Right? That which is looking at impermanence, you just chuck in, this is not esoteric, right? Your awareness, you know that you're alive and breathing, you're awake. You notice that it's watching everything come and go, thoughts come and go, emotions come and go. You notice that it's just sitting there Steadfast. And like, I like to say that you would leave awareness, but awareness never leaves you. Check in, yeah. And this is what you come back to. Remember, let's go back to that thought. You're down the river of thought. You wake up to this, yeah? The moment you wake up, what are you waking up to? You're waking up to the mind has gone away, but you're also waking up to wakefulness. You notice this? You get, do you get me there? Mm-hmm. Good yeah now you you can go back to the you can go back to the anchor let's say if you're focusing on the breath or the heart you can go back to the anchor or you could just stay with wakefulness yeah do you know what I mean by this just go you, you wake up now you're awake stay awake as soaking ripper says this is the most subtle instruction don't meditate but don't be distracted Light as a feather, because he's saying you don't need to even come back to an anchor. He's saying you're already awake. Wait, just stay. Now, notice when you're not awake, and when you notice that you're not awake, wake back up. Attention. Now, once you wake back up, you'll notice that the mind will want to slip into what's arising in the contents of this awareness. It'll try to slip into the emotion. It'll try to slip into the thoughts. It'll slip into phenomena, right? Into this and that. Slip into attachment. It'll try to grab things. It always wants more, right? It'll fall back to sleep to itself. We've forgotten how to mind the mind. If I say look at your mind, can't you look at your mind? Look at your mind like I say look at the plant just look at your mind you see easy easy easy
2: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. we don't do this <laughs> because that's that's turning the wrong way for for most of our energy is out it's always out it's even beyond the beyond just the subtle knower, it goes out even even into the subtle things like thoughts it goes out but if you mind the mind, look how infinite that is. Where's the mind end? Look how big that is, isn't that amazing? Look how, how much freedom there is in that. Now, if you're minding the mind and something arises within the mind, think about capacity again. Now, if you're, if you're like that, something arises in here, it feels very big, yeah? We've all been weighted down from emotions. You know, how much do thoughts
2: weigh?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes thoughts weigh very little. Sometimes thoughts weigh a lot. Yeah. A lot of that is dependent upon your capacity, like how you're viewing yourself in relationship to a thought. If you're minding the mind and the mind is infinite, How big is the thought? It's teeny, teeny, right? Now, but if you, if you're playing, not playing small, if you're just, depending on your relationship, your viewpoint, it could seem very, very big, yeah? Yeah. So much so that you think you are the thought, which we do this all the time. Ask somebody how they're doing in the morning. What do they do? They check in with their thoughts and emotions and then tell you how they are. They say, well, I have a sad emotion. I'm sad. Yeah? Oh, I have a sad thought. I'm sad. This self-identification can happen very quickly, other than sadness is arising within me. I'm noticing sadness. And now I'm noticing less sadness. Now I'm noticing non-sadness. Oh, and sadness is back. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a big difference between I am sad and I am noticing sadness arising. Huge difference. Huge difference. So we we see both of those. The ability to choose what you want to think about, what you want to let go is noticing. Oh, I don't need to connect my selfness to this emotion. I'm watching it come and go. And then getting to know who and what you are. So what am I without my thoughts? What am I without my emotions? Exploring this, minding the mind, exploring what we are in a more (coughs) permanent way. This no-thingness, like when we're not attached to all these little fragments. What are we? What are the qualities innately existing in my awareness? Not those little things that come and go, but what's there? What's, what's automatically arising there? Marinated in that. Now, we marinate in sadness, marinate in anger, marinate in all these things. Very rarely do we, do, do we marinate for any length of time in just our pure awareness, in self. Capital S self. <laughs> Very rarely. Even when we meditate, how long are we actually there for? Right, that moment we talked about how we're we're awake. We're awake. So in that wakefulness, how long do we marinate there before we we get hooked again? And then we'll say, ah, meditation's. I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes I'll give. the patients at the clinic, the mental health clinic that I work at, I give them a meditation for anxiety or something. Then they're like, "I tried it, it didn't work." I said, "Okay, no problem. How long did you try it for? Like five minutes, and it didn't work. Nope." <laughs> I said, "Well, I'll tell you what." If it worked in five minutes, no one would have anxiety. <laughs> like it wouldn't be a thing. We'd just say, do this for five minutes And <laughs> that'd be it. But we have to give it more time. So I think the other aspect of this, this transformation that takes place is that <clears throat> if we're courageous enough and it takes a lot of courage to, to do this correctly, like to do this authentically, it takes a lot of courage to sit with ourself. And we should know that going in. Like Chögyam Trungpa say, says, you come for the peace, but you stay for the war. Mm-hmm. You come for the peace, but <laughs> you stay for the war. It takes a lot of courage to sit with ourselves Because it's not we don't usually like what we see. But this is where the love comes in. You know, if I think when we sit with ourselves authentically and genuinely and patiently and we see a, oh my gosh, I'm a mess. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a total mess. And there's so much love and compassion there. There's so much love and compassion. You know, it, it, we take this, this courage and we mix it with with self-love and self-compassion. And then we have so much compassion for others because it's hard. You know, it's like, man, I messed up and it's really hard to get myself unmessed up. You know, it's really hard not to get hooked by those thoughts and emotions and this and that. It's very difficult. And I watch myself with great attention I see myself getting angry but then I, self, I watch myself get angry and then I get angry again and I watch that again and I'm like wow this is really hard and then when we notice somebody else getting angry we have so much compassion for them you're like you're a mess too <laughs> yes I get it I'm a mess you're a mess but I'm learning how to love myself in my own mess and in the loving myself, in this own mess, I could learn to love somebody else. And I have a ton of compassion for them too. And this is a huge part of this, this transformation. Transforming our relationship to what's, what's happening around us. Transforming that to more gentleness, more kindness, more love and compassion. So maybe let's just sit for a couple minutes and then we'll break off into groups. Now we're called, huh? Yes. <laughs> Let's so just sit for a few moments with attention. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, nothing to achieve, nothing to realize. <clears throat> and you already are what you're seeking. maybe along with this attention, just giving this attention a flavor of kindness and gentleness. When we meet distraction or doubt thoughts and emotions, maybe just simply meeting it with kind, compassionate awareness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah <laughs> Alright, I don't know if we have enough time left for small groups, maybe any comments, insights, questions, just as a larger group?
0: I think it's really hard for me to understand what it means to, to revel and be awake that the the example that you give about like when you notice you've drifted off or you notice that you're not awake and then you wake back up yeah and what it means to revel in that recognition like i i understand my mind understands the recognition of like oop i fell asleep now i'm awake Mm -hmm. like like that moment Mm -hmm. but what is it like to my mind to really understand what it means to then revel in that.
1: To abide in that.
0: Yeah. Like I can, I f- feel the switch. I recognize the switch, but then to be able to have the expansiveness, like I, yeah. I'm realizing that my mind cannot conceptualize that right now.
1: It can't. Yeah. It can't. Ever. <laughs> no mind. Um, yeah. That This is one of the most subtle difficult parts of the teaching so you're not alone there this is we call like clarifying the natural state in in tibetan buddhism it's very difficult because it's the great non-doing so we're really good with doing so you're like saying i don't know how to do that because you're not doing anything Mm. everything else we're doing but this is the one thing that we don't do and it's by non-doing that we do it right and it's so so it's very difficult if I gave you a technique to do you would easily do it focus the mind on the breath good now if I say what's your name Allison Allison B. Allison somehow we don't know what to do <laughs> somehow if I say B. Allison you're like oh shit what do I do <laughs> what do I do so this is our true nature so we say it's our true nature well how can we not be our true nature how can we not, how can we not be that but it's not, but it's not something to do so like when the meditation starts to meditate you that's true meditation actually what we usually consider meditation is actually not really meditation that is actually getting us to meditation mm. so that's the technique the technique is there to let go of the technique is there to drop off there is a point where there is no grabbing on anymore. Mm. Just, there's just isness. Mm. My friend used to stay, say, Make isness your business. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Make isness your
1: business. Um, it just is. So when you recognize this, it's just that recognition that's it. Mm. And then there's nothing more to it. Okay. But we want to add more to it. Mm. So you say, How do I it there? don't meditate but don't be distracted Mm. so you abide there by moments of wakefulness yeah so what's gonna happen is that your mind is gonna catch yourself you're like oh I'm awake and then you're like am I am I awake am I staying awake (laughs) (laughs) and but that dialogue by the way that dialogue will start to go away when you start there's always a dialogue talking about your meditation in different stages of meditation all this stuff there's always a dialogue that goes with it in time, that voice is going to get worn out. It's not going to have commentary on top of your practice. Mm. It'll just wear out. It just will. It'll just keep going. You'll say, am I there? Am I not there? Am I abiding? Am I not? Just keep going and it'll just go away. Eventually it just won't be a thing. You'll just be there and you won't think about it anymore. Right? But it's just returning to that moment and then it's just putting together moments of that in a continuity. That's it. And don't worry about abiding there because you're gonna fall off. <laughs> and then you'll wake back up again. And in that wakefulness, I'm just awake. And even all the commentary, wakefulness is, is awake to the commentary. That's just, that's just another thing just to watch. Let everything in, let everything out. And you're doing so with non-judgment, so nothing's good, nothing's bad. You're just watching, yeah. <coughs>
2: Thank you. This is also a Zen technique. They call it shikantaza, which means just sitting, Mm -hmm. just sitting in that awareness and being.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
2: Yeah. To think about
1: being in when when there's I mean, because so much of what we do is try to try and not be beholden to. Negative chatter, um, I guess, or just um, chattering that causes suffering is the idea of focusing on when something awesome happens, just being in it, you know, and, and really, you know, and building that
0: as a mindfulness process, you know,
1: just like weird hands and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Um, I think um, I've been sort of quieting down the the commentary or like the the war or meeting the war um, with just uh, the energetic yes mm-hmm. and that's really been helping uh, like the business business like expand a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm it just really dissolves whatever would continue uh, hooking me. Mm-hmm. I just say yes, like yes, it's gonna keep coming in and it just, uh, yeah, it's it's been really helpful for me, I
1: I like that, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, this is insane, it's it's like this. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like this. Oh, just notice. <laughs> I wanna to go to Joe first and then go back. Well, I was wondering, who's Allison? No, I might, but the question was, is it a distraction to, or, or, an asset to, to, to take attributes and assign them to yourself, and then try to, it, when, when you think of yourself, to think of it in terms of attributes, or, or is that just a distraction and a, and a grasping that gets in the way? Well, you, you know could, what I saying? yeah, 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 but you, can use it as a, as an investigation, like you said, you know, who's Alison? So like Ramana would say, what am I? So is it helpful, like, to say, well, if if I'm going to ask that question of myself, then I'm going to assign certain attributes and then try to live up to those attributes during the day, you know, and I would, as I go through my day, mm-hmm. you know, Joe's going to be of service, say, so Joseph, you know, if if the question comes if I ask the question of myself, yeah, then I am of service, and so then I walk my day, or is that just a distraction from who I really am? I'm well, the, I think we're or whatever, I yeah, I think we're <laughs> there's two different aspects of that <laughs> um, there's two aspects on a on a relative level on an ultimate level, so on a relative level, like when we're cultivating the wholesome, for example, so cultivating the wholesome you might if you're meditating on you know yourself as inhabiting or, or exhibiting these qualities, these wholesome qualities, this is part of the practice, like. Um, I'm patience, you know, and then you, you're developing these qualities of patience, right? On a relative level, like we practice metta, like loving kindness. So there's relative bodhicitta, relative level things. Ultimately, there's, there's ultimate bodhicitta, ultimate patience where we already are that. So there's no cultivation or identification of I am like this. We just, we can investigate all of those those labels we could say, are they truly existing from their own side or are they changing or whatnot? So ultimate level, we could just abide in our authentic awareness. We don't need to assign labels or anything like this. In fact, we could punch holes in the labels because all those labels change, yeah? But then at the same time, we we cultivate, on a relative level, we cultivate all the wholesome qualities. This is the great paradox as well, yeah? Like those, the cultivation on a relative level of all those things, the fruition, the experiential fruition is wow, I already am that. I practice practiced love until I realize I, I am love. Mm. But on a relative level, we're not acting like this. It's like Buddha says, there's no self. Now practice metta for self.
2: <laughs>
1: That's a great paradox. He says, you know, practice loving kindness for yourself, but there's no self, right? But th- this is the things that we work with. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I guess a little confusion. Me me too. too. (laughs) (laughs) So I started out meditating trying to clear the mind and obviously that's not a possibility and the thoughts come up and you gave me great clarity to understand that that moment when i realize i'm thinking it's like a, i envision a hairline red line that says oh, that's what i'm see that's what i'm wanting to watch for that moment at which i realize i'm thinking mm-hmm. but if i meditate now for patience i don't understand that meditation i mean if i'm trying to clear my mind mm-hmm. Or am I not trying
1: to? <laughs> <laughs> great, great question. There's different styles of meditation. Meditation is to become familiar with, one of the oldest translations of meditation, to become familiar with. Sometimes we're becoming familiar with our own nature of mind, our own self. So we just kind of clear the clutter away and we bask in that. Yeah? So sometimes, let's say if you want to cultivate, a quality, if you want to do an analytical meditation to become familiar with patience, you could actually dive into patience. You could actually investigate patience. You could investigate, analytically, impermanence. Now, the, the thing that's still, still true is that you're not allowing the mind to wander. It's still coming back to something. It's coming back to patience, right? The mind's not wandering, you're still awake. No matter what, you're awake. You're awake to patience, you're awake to impermanence, you could do you can you could do these analytical meditations so some people think that meditation is non-thinking in tibet a lot of it is thinking analytical meditations you can they say you know meditate on this it's a subject and you allow your mind to, to think of it but it still doesn't get off track it still comes back to what you what you're looking for so there's just different styles of of meditation but another thing another aspect is this aspect of concentration, that's that's always there. So mindfulness and concentration. Mindfulness is the vigilance; it brings the mind back. Concentration holds the mind down. Those two factors are always in play, in meditation. Yeah. Yeah. The, that's the the, the way, easy way to say it is the objects of meditation change. The objects can be your breath. It could be awareness. It could be a virtue. Yeah. Yeah, you could talk with me after, too. It's still not clear. Let me check time. One more.
2: Yeah. Um, I was talking to a client recently on the phone. I've, I've never met her, but I was trying to help her and her dad uh, relate. And the first thing she said to me after she received a very awful letter from her father was, I'm a bodhisattva. And I just thought, wow. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, then she started to spew a lot of stuff about him. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yes, she is that. And she still suffers. Mm -hmm. Mm So I think that says it for all of us, really. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. All right
0: oh cri okay. like to say something I want to hear what she wants to say <laughs> <laughs> what happened you me yeah oh I was I was just gonna say that uh I think a lot of times like on my recent meditation I've been having like issues with judgment because everywhere we go we're kind of trained to judge you know Facebook yeah. do you like it do you think it's we're like taught particular ways of judgment so like things will come up that it would be like th- interactions or something that you have with somebody and you want to place judgment on them or just, you know what I mean, like these little little balls of just like yarn kind of in your mind that come up during meditation. And one thing that I taught or was, I learned from this guy at this other place was uh, meditation where when you breathe in you say, what is this on the in-breath and you say, I don't know on the out-breath. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. I can't place judgment because I don't have all the information. You know what I mean? And it just kind of like dissipates. That, it really helps me like at work and stuff when you just kind of mm-hmm. want to like scream at somebody. It's you know? yeah. <laughs> just like, why are they doing this? And it's just like, I don't know. You know what I mean? And then it, yeah. makes it okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can put that sort of like rub somewhere. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah, in Zen, we call this don't know mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you do that, that don't know mind. You know, we talked about being in the moment about it's really hard to be in the moment because of that distraction and we want to go... So don't know is wonderful. When we watch, see all that catastrophizing, futuring, all that stuff come up, you know, don't know. Don't know is actually the mind of just awareness, right? It's that non-doing, right? How, How do I, who am I? Don't know. How do I do this practice? Don't know. See, you're not doing anything. What? Don't know. See? you free. As soon as we make something up, as soon as we know, we don't know. Just, just a quick question. Yeah. What does mm-hmm. a, a bodhisattva mean? A
2: bodhisattva...
1: A bodhisattva. A bodhisattva is usually a term used um, for a a being that is enlightened and could leave the will of samsara and just abide eternally in nirvana, but manifests for the pure... Um, goodness of humanity. So you take like any saint, you know, Krishna, Christ, whatever. They're all bodhisattvas coming just to just to free all beings, and we're all bodhisattvas too.
2: And and they still suffer, is, is basically.
1: Um, well, I mean, at least that one she met did. Well,
2: <laughs> that, was that was the irony. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: that That's woman just said, know, hey, I'm a bodhisattva. Is, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> we
1: all have bodhisattvas and, yeah, within ourselves, and we're all bodhisattvas, too. All right, so let's just do a quick little dedication of the merit. just in our hearts and minds collecting all the goodness, all the wisdom, love, compassion that was cultivated here today. And just think of all the beings that couldn't be here with us, particularly all the fathers out there and those acting as fathers, doesn't matter what sex you are, but all those beings also that are suffering, all of our brothers and sisters, all races and religions, all tops, types of beings, human beings, animal beings, tree beings, insect beings, dedicating all the goodness that was created here today to all of them. May all beings everywhere, without exception, may they all be happy and free from suffering. Om Mani hum.
0: Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.